Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Pilot Principle. This is the podcast where we take a look at just the first episode of a series, The Pilot, and judge its elements in order to help us decide if we should watch the entire series, or at least the second episode. It's a lot of pressure, but there is just so little time and so much to bloody watch. On today's episode of The Pilot Principle, we are taking a look at the first episode of Netflix's eagerly awaited live action adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender. In order to judge a pilot episode, I typically take a look at the story in the pilot itself, the characters that we are introduced to, that's the protagonists and the antagonists, as well as analysing the pace and then doing a little bit of wild speculation of the serial arc based on the clues that we have been given in that first episode. I also take a look at the end of episode hook and then see how all of this combines and let you know if I think the pilot episode has done its job and why or why not. So with that all out of the way and explained, let's get rolling with the pilot synopsis as provided by Netflix UK. An airbender comes to grips with his new reality as war erupts. A century later, a pair of water tribe siblings make a discovery that changes everything. Now I won't lie, that synopsis doesn't exactly ring of excitement, but I think it does a really good job of encapsulating exactly what we're gonna get in the pilot episode. An airbender, war, a century passing, water tribe, siblings, something that changes everything. All of those things I think occur in the pilot episode and a little bit more. So yes, a very good starting point. So now that I have teased you <laughs> with what is going to happen in the pilot episode, I'm gonna just put that down. I'm gonna put that down for a second and have a look at the credits next. And I love looking at the credits. I just find it really interesting and I just force that interest on all of you. So to begin with, we've got the pilot title, which is Ang, and that is the name of our central protagonist. Solid pilot title. It tells us exactly who the star of the show is and that we are likely to learn more about them in this episode one. We have an episode length of one hour and three minutes, which I'm gonna come back to later on and a series length of eight episodes. And I think that's decent. We have three people listed as a writer on IMDb. The first being Albert Kim, and he's got quite a short filmography as a writer. He has written episodes of Dirt, Leverage, Nikita, Sleepy Hollow, and Pantheon before Avatar. And he is also credited as one of the creators for this live action adaptation. Next, also listed as writers for the pilot episode, we have Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konitsko, both of whom are the original creators of the animated series. And both of their writing credits are Avatar-centric. So as well as Avatar The Last Airbender, the animated series which they co-created, they wrote the spin-off slash continuation animated series, The Legend of Korra. According to IMDb, they are also both involved in an untitled Avatar The Last Airbender spin-off film, Echoes and Aftershocks, which is expected to drop in 2025. So we will keep our ears peeled for more information that will drop over the next year or so. The pilot episode, Ang, was directed by Michael Goy, and Michael Goy has directed episodes of Pretty Little Liars, American Horror Story, Empire, The Rookie, Big Sky, and Riverdale, to name a few. He also has a healthy career as a cinematographer where he's gotten Emmy nominations and other award nominations for cinematography. So that's quite an interesting diversification. We don't really see many cinematographers turned directors, but actually it's kind of a natural progression. 
Let's move on to cast. And first of all, we have Gordon Cormier, who plays Ang. And Cormier has starred in episodes of The Stand, Turner and Hooch, and he had a voice role in Team Zenko Go. Next, we have Gia Wendio, who plays Katara. And Gia Wendio has starred in episodes of Anne with an E, Rutherford Falls, and had a voice role in the second series of Marvel's What If. Next, Ian Ousley plays Saka, and Ousley has starred in episodes of Young Sheldon, 13 Reasons Why, Big Shot, and Physical. Dallas Liu plays Prince Zuko, and Liu has starred in episodes of Bones, CSI Cyber, Players, Pen15, and had roles in the movies Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and The Slumber Party. And finally, we have Paul Sun Huang Li, who plays Uncle Iroh, and Li has a longer filmography combined of the four actors previously mentioned, and some of those include starring in Train 48, Covert Affairs, Degrassi, The Next Generation, Kim's Convenience, and The Mandalorian. And for anyone who is interested, even though they don't appear in the pilot episode, Daniel Day Kim plays Philord Ozai, and Elizabeth Yu plays Azula. And as a reminder, you can watch Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix. Now, if you didn't know, or you just weren't listening, to me say about 10 times <laughs> in the last few minutes, then this series, Avatar The Last Airbender, is in fact based on the animated series of the same name that aired on Nickelodeon from 2005 to 2008. It lasted for three series. There is also a 2010 film by M. Night Shyamalan that we do not acknowledge. And this is a good time to note that the live action adaptation has been equally anticipated, but also equally feared by fans of the series. So yeah, this could get a bit controversial, not from me. I'm just here to judge the pilot alone, based on the pilot alone. But if you don't know, then now you know. Which swiftly, if I do say so myself, leads me on to what made me want to watch the series. Disclaimer, Avatar The Last Airbender, the animated series, is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Yes, big words because it rings true. Of all time, I watched this show live from its premiere to its epic conclusion. I have watched it almost every year since. I actually haven't watched the series in maybe the last two years, but I did go through a phase of re-watching it every year. It's so good. It's surprising. And every time you watch it, you just deep more and the characters, oh yeah. So I'm, I'm gassed, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gassed, I'm nervous for this live action adaptation and there was no way that I wasn't gonna not watch it. Does that make sense? And I should also say that Avatar The Last Airbender, the animated series, is also kind of why I have my original saying of never judge a series by its pilot or by its second episode, but by the third episode, you should know whether or not you want to watch it because I wasn't sold on the first episode or the second episode, but I pushed through to that third episode and Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. So Avatar, for many reasons, holds a special place in my little beatbox. Anyone thinking of starting the animated series should know that the start of series one is a bit more on the kiddie side, but just stick with it. I haven't met anybody who has watched the animated series and not loved it. So let that just stand as testament to its greatness. But I digress because we are not here sadly to talk about the animated series we are here to talk about its live action adaptation so let us continue and judge avatar the last airbender by its pilot episode ang 
And we will be doing that by first talking about the first 10 minutes. Why the first 10 minutes, you wonder, with bated breath? Because I was always taught as a screenwriter and as a person who often judges scripts for competitions, that the first 10 minutes is where you need to hook your reader and therefore your audience member. Because at that 10 minute mark, if somebody's not engaged, they'll switch off, they'll stop reading, they'll stop watching. And so that's why that first 10 minutes is vital and why I analyze whether it's done a good job. So the first 10 minutes of Ang. A comet is racing across the sky and capital city is burning. An earthbender tries to escape a group of firebenders to get a message to the earth king. They're going to start a war. The message gets out, but the earthbender is captured. And it's only when this earthbender is face to face with Fire Lord Sozin, the ruthless leader of the Fire Nation, that he realizes he's been set up. Before Fire Lord Sozin burns him alive, yes, burns him alive, he reveals that everyone will be coming to the aid of the Earth Kingdom because they assume that's where the Fire Nation is going to attack, but the Fire Nation actually have their sights set elsewhere. Fire Lord Sozin's target is the Avatar. The only problem is that the Avatar is yet to be revealed. However, the Fire Lord knows where the Avatar will be and decides to kill them all. Now, don't worry if that doesn't make any sense because at the five minute mark, we get the opening, which is a great little explainer to the whole Avatar situation and how the Avatar cycle works. And that will clue you up on exactly what the Fire Lord has planned. After that intro, we come back in to the Southern Air Temple where we meet Aang, a 12 year old carefree prodigy airbender who doesn't yet know his destiny. We meet him on the day of the Great Comet Festival and all the other air nomads are coming to the Southern Air Temple. It's gonna be a great gathering of celebration and fun times and flying and just air things. Now in a room with the monks of the Southern Air Temple, they discuss Aang and his destiny. Monk Gyatso, who is Aang's friend, is reluctant to tell Aang that he is the Avatar. However, he is overruled because with the Fire Nation's attack on the Earth Kingdom imminent, so they believe, Aang needs to leave immediately to begin his Avatar training, the mastering of the other three elements. And that is about the 10 minute mark. As an intro, so far I am invested. I understand the Fire Nation and the Fire Lord. I understand that they, <laughs> that the Fire Nation, the Fire Lord, can manipulate the element of fire and that they are bent on perhaps taking over the world, which they can't do without the elimination of the avatar. I understand what bending is and get a sense of how it is used and how that is divided by elements because we get to see firebenders in that first 10 minutes, we get to see an earthbender and we also see airbenders. So yes, there's already an understanding of the element manipulation in this world. We also meet our main character, Aang, in that first 10 minutes, which I like. I don't like when they put it off too long. It's a nice little introduction to him doing a bit of airbending in that first 10 minutes. And we ultimately learn his destiny and get an idea of his characteristics already at this point. What I also thought was really clever is that even though it's not in the first 10 minutes, in the sense that we see it happen, we know that the Fire Nation are coming for the Air Nomads. We know that Fire Lord Sozin wants to take out the Avatar. We know that Avatar is Aang. And we have heard him say, we're just gonna kill them all. We know that all the Air Nomads, all of them, all of them are coming to the Southern Air Temple. And so we know that Fire Lord Sozin is coming to wipe them all out. And that is a heavy burden. And also a nice way to keep us hooked to see how that will play out beyond the 10 minute mark. 
Now, before we go on to talk about the main characters, let me give you a bit of context. Okay, so Aang, after hearing about his destiny as the Avatar, he leaves the Southern Air Temple on the same night that the Fire Nation have come to destroy it. He ends up getting caught in a storm with his flying bison and in order to save them, he ends up trapping them in an iceberg where he stays for the next 100 years until he is accidentally rescued by a water tribe girl named Katara who happens to be there with her brother, Sokka. And yeah, that's just for a bit of context because <laughs> as we go on to talk about the main characters, you've only heard of one of them. And the first one is Aang. Aang is simply put a kid. He has had this great burden shoved on him and he's not ready. He's 12. Imagine at 12 being told that you need to go save the world. 12? What was I doing at 12? I was not, I was not in the right frame of mind <laughs> to be saving lives at the age of 12. I will tell you that right now for free. So imagine poor little Aang, poor little Aang being told at 12 that he's out here to save the world. And ultimately he wasn't ready either because that sparks him running off the night that the Fire Nation end up coming to attack. However, when he realizes what has happened to his people, he does end up accepting his destiny. He feels like he owes it to them. So that tells me that he has a sense of duty and he is willing to rise to that occasion as best as he can. He's not a leader. He's just, he's just powerful or on the way to be powerful because right now he's only master of one element, his own element, air. He doesn't know what he's doing, you know? And I think he's gonna rely heavily on the people around him to get him to where he needs to get to. And what's tragic and sad about Aang is that he is alone. Like I really deep that as I was watching this pilot episode. Aang yesterday had a family, he had a culture, he had a history. He woke up in what to him may have only been 10 minutes later, five minutes later, he woke up and all of that is gone. All of that was gone. His best friends, his family, it's just everything he's ever known. All of it has been wiped away and gone. And that's pretty damn heavy. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that is going to affect him going forward. I mean, you could turn to anger or you could turn to a more peaceful path. What's the opposite of anger? Joy? There's nothing to be joyful about. I don't know, but I think that is probably why it's helpful that Aang is 12. If Aang was a few years older, then the genocide of his people could really have affected him and turned into hate. And then, I mean, you know, sorry for the Fire Nation, but maybe not great for balance, you know? The next main character we have is Katara and Katara is a waterbender, but she is the only waterbender left in her water tribe. And she has to keep this a secret. She feels trapped and she is frustrated. She is looking for a way out. She's looking for a light at the end of the tunnel. She's looking for hope. And so when Aang turns up and they discover who he is, it seems like she is only ready to grab him and the future that he represents with both hands. She's also kind of one of those annoying goody goody people who think that you should put yourself at risk for others, but is she also willing to put herself forward? I'm not saying that she's not. I'm just saying that in this pilot episode, she was happy to tell her brother to go and like fight the Fire Nation, but what did she do? She like ran and hid. I know he told her to, but I don't know. I don't know. So far, <laughs> she's a kind one. Katara's kind, okay? She hugs Aang, she wants to protect him. Sokka wants to leave him in the iceberg. <laughs> She's just like, no bro, <laughs> you can't do it, you can't do that. <laughs> so it's a good thing that she's a kind person because otherwise Aang may have gotten hypothermia. <laughs> that would have been the end of the Avatar's reign. 
But real talk, um, Katara, yes, I can see in the future that she needs to develop her own powers. As I said, she's the last waterbender in her village and she's supposed to keep her bending a secret, but she's desperate to grow that ability and to help fight in the war any way that she can. And she thinks that way is with her waterbending. So I see that journey for her, her learning waterbending throughout the series, perhaps. And last but not least on the main character list, we have Sokka and Sokka is Katara's brother. Sokka is a leader. But imagine that responsibility of the eldest sibling, the eldest child times 1000, because he has been in charge of his whole water tribe village for the last three years since all of the men left to help fight in the war, as well as having the responsibility of looking after his sister, who is just moving mad, playing with water. He also has the responsibility of taking care of all the elderly, all the women and all the kids in the village too. So that is, that's a lot. And I think he handles that responsibility really, really well. And I think there's a lovely juxtaposition with Sokka's character with the responsibility that he has and the kind of comic element that there is to him. He is the comic relief character in a way, but he's also smart, fierce and protective. And you know what? You can't fault Sokka in the pilot episode. He is a good egg. Protect Sokka at all costs. What's quite nice, I think, is that Katara and Sokka as a brother-sister duo, I can see Katara running into danger, Sokka pulling her out of danger, or at least advising that they have a plan first. And you know, they're cute, they're unproblematic, which is great when you know you're traveling with the avatar and you're adding that into the mix. Like you don't have time for sibling squabbles. So they are a good duo. And I look forward to seeing how their relationship could progress throughout the series, if that's a thing that I choose to do. Do you know what? I think it's been a few episodes since we had an antagonist. So I'm pleased that I'm able to utilize this section. So the antagonist we have for the pilot episode is Prince Zuko. And Prince Zuko is a banished prince. And he has been searching for the Avatar for years, which if you kind of deep it is kind of peak because the Avatar literally has been missing for 100 years. Someone sent him on a mission to go and find the unfindable sorry that's rude that is that's rude and you kind of feel bad for him because who who put you on that journey it was his dad he's got daddy issues clearly but he's another one who talks about his destiny and it's an interesting mirror image with ang and his destiny too with prince zuko though there is an anger in him and a deep frustrating want he wants to return home he wants to prove himself to his father who banished him to find the unfindable we see him work hard on his firebending and pushing his crew and keeping the faith alive that he will find the avatar and he will get home and he will restore himself. And yeah, it's it's almost heartbreaking to watch. And the reason that I can say that is because despite chasing down the avatar and, you know, threatening to burn Sokka and Katara's village to the ground, Prince Zuko hasn't done any sort of big bad antagonist moves as of yet. So, so far, yes, he's the antagonist, but I don't hate him. He's no Sozin. He wasn't the one to murder all the air nomads. He's just a kid and life is a nightmare. What I also like about Prince Zuko is that we understand his wants and his needs, which is for him at least the same thing. He wants to capture the avatar to return home and restore his honor. And now it is time for a quick interlude to see what TV and film life is looking like beyond the pilot principle. And even though I say what TV and film life is looking like, I... 
I'm going to trick you because we're actually first going to talk about books. And the first book to mention, no, the first two books to mention are two books that I have finished. The first is Pride and Prejudice. I finished my reread of this and it was great. It was an absolute hoot. I zoomed through the last sort of quarter of the book. I thought it was really interesting because I think I last read it in 2018. You can do the math on how long ago that was but my views on certain characters have changed so much and I think it's really, really interesting. And there's a weird correlation with the Bennets and my family, which I don't know, maybe, maybe I just want there to be a correlation, but I thought it was interesting and I was glad that I reread it and I can't wait to do so again in the next however many years. The next book I finished was an audiobook and it was Us Against You, which is the second book in the Beartown series by Frederick Backman and tears 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 every time because if anybody's ever read a frederick buckman book he just writes like poetry it's just lyrical it's lyrical and it's circular and the the repetition and the beats and the characters that he constructs and the way he puts them all together and the way you think certain people are separate but really they are all intertwined it was fantastic it was fantastic Pride and Prejudice is a five out of five book. I also gave Us Against You five out of five on Goodreads, probably more of a 4.5, but still solid. I mean, if you've read Beartown, you're gonna enjoy Us Against You. If you haven't read Beartown, go and read Beartown. Go and read that. What are you doing? What are you doing with your time? Go and read Beartown. <laughs> okay, those are the books that I finished. In terms of the books that I am currently reading, I am reading Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. I think I'm like 75% through the book. Really interesting, really surprising. I actually have no idea what this book is about. Somebody recommended it to me and I was like, sure, bet, let's go. That's basically how I read most books. I base it on the cover or its recommendations. So I'm really enjoying it so far. A really unique character perspective. And then the second book, which is an audiobook, is Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers by Jesse Q. Sutanto. And I've only listened to like 7% so far, but another interesting character perspective. And I look forward to seeing how both of these two books progress. Okay, okay, that's enough of books, sorry. Let's move on to television. And I am currently watching, or I should say that I finally started watching The Boys on Prime Video. And do you know what? So far it's okay. I've watched, I think four out of eight episodes and I'm enjoying it, but I'm not necessarily hooked. Right now, I'm going to say that I actually prefer Gen V, which is the spin-off series. I did in fact do a pilot review of that, so feel free to go back through the archives and check that out. I'm going to stick with it though because I have heard good things and I don't not like it, I'm just not gripped. The next show I'm watching, which is coincidentally also on Prime video, is Vox Machina, which is an animated series, an adult animated series. It's okay, I enjoy the animation, I'm not loving it, but it's 25 minutes and it's a great lunchtime show for me. Uh, yeah, no, do you know, I think I'm, I'm, I am warming to the characters. I think I've watched like four or five episodes right now. I'm warming to the characters, I should say that, but there's a lot of them. There's like seven characters. And I think sometimes when you've got such a big cast, it takes a while to really get in and connect with them. But I'm getting there and I haven't turned it off yet. So that's saying something for it, right? And finally, with television, I have finally finished True Detective Night Country. And I think I touched on this in a previous Beyond the Pilot segment, which is that I actually wasn't really interested in who the killers were. I was just enjoying the characters and the setting. 
And the same thing rang true for the end. I will say there were some good twists on the two sets of murderers and murders that took place, but it wasn't enthralling. I didn't feel the need to rush to the internet and tell everybody about how I felt, which I don't do anyway, but sometimes I feel like doing, but I didn't feel like it in this case. <laughs> Lastly to talk about is film. And I did a double feature at the cinema and I have not done a double feature in years in years it was so enjoyable it was it was so much fun the first film i went to see was madam webb and um listen i heard it was bad i was under no illusions but i still wanted to see it i'm a cinephile i like going to the cinema i like watching what i feel like i want to watch and i would rarely let a bad review stop me from doing that that being said madam webb is terrible it's really really bad um i don't know how best to describe it um okay so i do you know, yes i do know what i found really bad about it specifically was the writing it was terrible it was terrible to the point that i laughed out loud at how bad it was twice the plot beats didn't make any sense i got to a point and i was like wait what does the antagonist want like why why is he special why doesn't he want to die like i don't what is it? Who cares? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I I can respect and partially side with the big bad, the antagonist, you know, the one that everybody wants to capture. Sometimes I'm on their side a bit. Not in this case, because I was like, who the F are you? And what the F do you even want, sir? It was terrible. Go and see it if you want to see it. Don't see it if you don't want to see it. I wouldn't recommend it. But do you know what? Almost. No, I tell a lie. <laughs> I'm going to recommend that you go and see it so that you know what a bad film looks like. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Thankfully, I saw Madame Webb first and got that out of the way because the second movie I went to see was The Iron Claw. And what an emotional wrecking ball of a movie. I didn't see that coming. I, again, just go into things with my, both my eyes closed because that's just how I yabba dabba do. I really liked the movie. I wish that I understood a little bit about wrestling more or that they explained a little bit more about wrestling and why they weren't being acknowledged as wrestlers. Like I didn't understand that sort of technical aspect of the film, but I loved the relationship between the brothers. I think that was done really well, as well as the relationship with them and their father and expectations and, you know, wants and having to like find new dreams for yourself and wondering if things are worth it and not worth it. But like, man alive, that movie. <laughs> Who asked it? Who asked it to be so soul destroying? Not me, it wasn't I. And to think that it's also based on a true story. That's sad. That is sad, Joe. I Hmm, tears. Specifically during the scene where Zac Efron's character, I want to say Kevin Von Erich, he's sat on the grass towards the end. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. That moment there finished me. Whew. That was quite a hefty list this week, wasn't it? Well, before we head back to your regularly scheduled listening, don't forget to follow at Pilot Principal on Instagram and Twitter slash X and Threads where we can chat about the latest in film and TV and books. In terms of my favourite moments slash what I really enjoyed from the pilot episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, Aang, I would say first and foremost was the scene where the Fire Nation basically come and destroy the Air Nomads. It was so difficult to watch. Essentially you're witnessing a genocide. It's 
it's terrible. It's heartbreaking. And I might have done a bit of tear bending, but it was done really, really well, I would say. I also really liked that we got to see some bending like ASAP and that episode literally within seconds we see somebody earth bending, we see someone fire bending, we see Aang doing his air bending. I think it's really good because when you're world building, don't keep anything back, immerse us immediately. And I think they did a really good job with that. The third thing that I really enjoyed about this pilot episode was the music. So this one is more so an homage to anybody who has seen the animated series because they use some of the same tracks, scores or what have you in this pilot episode and I suppose they'll continue throughout the series but it was a nice added connection between the two I'm not gonna lie it might have been a bit cheeky because some of those songs or some of those tunes or some of those hooks you hear and they put you automatically into an emotional place with the characters that you've pre-loved from watching the animated series if you're out there like me and have seen it and enjoyed it so it's a bit of a cheat sheet but you know what you gotta do what you gotta do and yeah those are those are my three top things from the pilot episode now on the flippity flip side in terms of what i didn't like you know what wasn't sold on the cgi ang's introductory air bending scenes were a bit on the like they just looked a bit fake ultimately they just looked a bit fake and i like was like oh Oh, it did pick up. It did get better, I think, when we saw him airbending later on. But I think that first introductory scene is we see him supposed to be this great big thing. Everybody's got his eyes on him and he's like, ah, oh, manipulating the air around me or watching me do the loop de loop. It just looked a bit stilted and it didn't give me the effect that I think they wanted it to give. Also to say that I was a bit disappointed with Arpa. Now, again, this one can't help but be related to the animated series. And that's just because in the cartoon, he's a big fluff ball. Like he's a big, adorable fluff ball, but in the live action adaptation, he looks real. And <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. He just <laughs> looks like a smelly bison. And that's not cute. <laughs> and so I think it was, it was just too real. Upper was just too real for me. I don't, I couldn't handle it. I was like, just bring me back that soft, fluffy furball. That's cute and adorable. Like, <laughs> not this giant smelly monster. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. That's just what came through my mind. And the third and final thing that I was not a fan of in this pilot episode ang and again sorry this is a pertains to if you have seen the animated series can't help it guys i have seen it i know what i know and i can't take away this knowledge okay there's a scene where grand grand who is saka and katara's grandmother when she realizes who ang is she basically like <laughs> like some spoken word artist <laughs> does the opening monologue from the animated series she's like water earth fire air long ago the four elements are lived together in harmony i lost my shit guys i lost it i was like cringe like great you're kind of like giving us context and explaining things but i was like why did you have to do it verbatim grand grand like who asked you who asked you grand grand ultimate cringe ultimate cringe um yeah absolutely burst out laughing i mean if you haven't seen the series it might mean nothing to you but it did feel a bit staged so even if you haven't seen it i'm sure you watched it and thought okay this is a bit random someone's shining the spotlight here on grand grand for her two seconds of fame here but yeah 
that spoken word piece just wasn't for me. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Now, before we get to that all important question, let us remind ourselves of the synopsis for the pilot episode, Ang. An airbender comes to grips with his new reality as war erupts. A century later, a pair of Water Tribe siblings make a discovery that changes everything. In terms of the writing in the pilot episode, it was okay. Nothing standout-ish and nothing too cringe, you know, aside for the aforementioned. I will say though, and again, this is probably only something you will know if you have seen the animated series countless times. It did feel like they went script for script. There were certain points where I was able to, and I sometimes do it anyway, but I was really able to quote what the characters were going to say before they said it. I don't know if that was just me. If you felt the same, let me know. If you disagree, let me know. But that is all I will say on the writing. It was fine, but does that count as cheating? In terms of the setting, I think they did a really decent job of starting that world building process because for all intents and purposes, this is a fantasy series. We have four nations. We've got the Fire Nation, we've got the Water Tribe, we've got the Earth Kingdom, and we've got the Air Temples. And we only really get to see the Southern Air Temple and the Southern Water Tribe properly. But yeah, they're two very distinctive places. I think they were both constructed really well. And so if one continues with the series, it would be interesting to see how the Fire Nation and the Earth Kingdom are constructed too. In terms of pace, it wasn't the most gripping pilot, but I think the act of the story was sectioned out really well, which is not the sexiest thing to say, but it's the truth. So the first 20 minutes acted as a backstory and then we move forward 100 years for the rest of the episode, which is why I was not mad at that one hour and three minute running time because they used it well. In terms of the serial arc, I think I understand where it's going. You know, the Fire Nation want the Avatar and the Avatar needs to stop them and bring about balance by mastering all four elements. Great. Now, will all of this happen in series one? I don't know. I also do think over the course of the series, Katara will come into her own as a waterbender, but I'm not quite sure where Sokka's storyline is leading over the course of the series. So that one might be one to wait and see. Now, in terms of the end of episode hook, Aang has accepted his destiny to master all the four elements or the three remaining ones because he is already an air master. And Zuko is embracing his destiny too. There's a nice little juxtaposition between the central antagonist and the protagonist, I think, as a nice little potential lead into episode two and seeing how that continues. And now there's only one question left. Will I be continuing with Avatar The Last Airbender? Pause for dramatic effect. Yes, but it's complicated. Okay, I will say that after watching the One Piece live action adaptation, I am personally willing to give this a chance because I wasn't fully gripped by this pilot episode. I will say as well that Sokka and Zuko were my two favorite characters and I'm really interested in seeing how the two of them will progress throughout the series. So that is another reason for me to continue on to at least episode two. But let's face it, I'm probably going to watch the entire series. And finally, I do want to see more bending and more world building and seeing how this landscape will play out. What else is there beyond the water tribe and, you know, the southern air temple? Because we haven't really seen much. We don't know what's out there. So we've been very enclosed in this pilot episode. But that is, of course, just me. So some reasons why you might not want to continue with 
Avatar The Last Airbender, while the first thing is that despite the rather adult feeling opening, for the most part, it does feel like it's gonna be on the juvenile side of things for the series. The next reason that you might not wanna watch this is that you might not be prepared to dive into a whole new world and quote unquote magic system for lack of a better word. And the third and final reason why you might not want to watch Avatar The Last Airbender is that you just might be such a massive fan of the animated series and you do not want to taint that experience. And you know what? I respect that because this pilot episode does play heavy patronage to the OG series, but do you know what? It can never be that. And already I'm wondering how they're going to make it their own, if they're going to make it their own, because a copy and paste ultimately won't work. And I've already seen signs of that in this pilot episode. Finally to say is that I can't help watching this pilot episode and watching the series and comparing it to its original. And I think anybody watching this will fall into one of the following categories. You'll either have watched and loved the animated original and will never go near this adaptation, or you maybe watched and loved the animated original and you're apprehensive, but you're curious and you're going to give it a go. Or, you know, you haven't seen the animated original and you're coming in fresh as a newborn baby. And if that is you, drop me a message. I really wanna hear your views on the pilot episode, on the series without the sort of rose tinted glasses that I have. And last but not least is to give the pilot episode, Ang, a pilot score. And I will be giving it a four out of five. Now this is mostly because the world building was brilliant and really, really well done in such a short space of time. We got the main bits of information, but there's still loads to learn. And that's from everything about what the Avatar does and the Avatar learning their skills to what the Fire Nation has done to the world, how people use bending, who has bending, who doesn't have bending, and the fact that we've already got history in this. I think they did a really good job with that current knitting together the past and the present. Also, another strong thing about the pilot is that we really understand who Aang is and what he needs to do. And the same is said for Prince Zuko, our main protagonist and our main antagonist thus far. And we really get to see who both of those people are in the pilot and a lot goes on in the pilot. So the fact that we get a sense of these two characters really strongly is a testament to the good writing and construction. But the reason why it doesn't get the full five out of five is because we don't get much of Sokka and Katara's characters and their deeper characteristics and their wants in the pilot episode. And considering they're one of the main characters, I think a little bit more of what they wanted and what they represented would have been quite nice. And finally to say is that even though it was a solid pilot episode, I'm not gagging to watch episode two, which is not <laughs> what you want at the end of a pilot episode. I'm gonna watch it, but I'm gonna watch it because I'm a fan of the original series. I'm interested in seeing how they have redeveloped it for the screen, but that's just me and not everybody's like that. So yes, that is why this pilot episode, Ang for Avatar The Last Airbender gets a four out of five. Now that we've hashed out the fundamental principles, will you be giving the pilot episode a watch? Or have you already binged every episode of Avatar The Last Airbender? Or have you gone running back to the original animated series? Follow and chat to me over on threads, Instagram and Twitter slash X at Pilot Principle and I will catch you on the next episode.